Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. everybody and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. The first time I remember seeing Michelle Macambur's name was in an email from Participate Learning. The subject was United We Teach and it was all about a community that serves as a global gathering place for teachers from all over the world to share stories and support one another. Of course, I was hooked. So I want to welcome you, Michelle. I'm really excited to talk about what you're doing, what you have been doing, uh, your journey, and um, just welcome. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. It's, it's great. Twitter, Twitter is one of my favorite ways to connect with educators. And I think, you know, as a teacher, there was never, ever enough time to right. collaborate and connect with other educators. And, yeah. you know, you couldn't go and sit in a teacher's classroom every day and be inspired by their ideas or their best practices. And I just think Twitter has opened the doors to classrooms and teachers' minds around the world. And so us connecting through Twitter has been great evidence of the power of a personal learning network that can be created virtually. I, I love that. I love that we started off with that because I always say that Twitter is my lifeline, especially being in Kuwait. But of course, we're going to talk a bit about your background and what you're doing. So I didn't really say much about you except how we know each other. Please let, let, the, let the listeners know uh, about your background and what you're up to now. Sure. Well, I am originally from Nova Scotia, Canada, from a small town called Bridgewater on the South shore of Nova Scotia. And my family is all still there. But in 1999, I accepted my very first teaching job in the United States. And it was with a company at the time was called VIF, Visiting International Faculty. And the idea was that they would bring teachers from all around the world to come and teach in the US. And you would teach district curriculum, but you would find as many opportunities as you could to share your culture and the world with your students in your classroom, your colleagues, and your community. And so at the time when I was graduating, you know, at home, teaching is a very popular and well-respected profession. And so I had friends that had graduated and were looking for jobs and substitute teaching. And I thought, you know, I love my family, but I, I can go out and get a job somewhere else and put all that I've learned into practice. Right. And I want to travel. I want to do some more traveling. Let me just look at the options. And so I was originally thinking about maybe going to England, but a lot of the teaching jobs over there was supply teaching. So you went over mm -hmm. and got yourself situated and then they would find new placements and I heard about BIF and I just thought I get my own classroom it's the consistency I can be right. a teacher and this company is going to like help me get acclimated and adjusted and set up and so I accepted a position with them and moved to the United States and did my first three years on a J-1 visa with them as a teacher and loved it and then I went to England and taught at a school in Camberley in Surrey County for a year and then came back and did my second tour with VIF and taught at my same school for three more years and then I left and accepted a position at an international school in Paraguay 
way. So I taught at the American School of Ascension and I thought I would do one year there, loved it so much that I stayed for three. And then finally, back to North Carolina, I came again. Um, VIF was at the time partnering with Cumberland County, my previous district, to open the very first partner global school in the district. And I was really passionate about that. And I was fortunate to be one of the teachers who helped to launch that school. And so I spent four years there and then came out of the classroom into a role at Participate Learning. And I've held a couple of positions there ever since. But the main thing that I I was scared about leaving the classroom because I didn't want to leave the connection, yeah. lose the connection to what was happening sure. in classrooms and with students. And I've just been incredibly fortunate in my last several years, I guess about eight years now, at mm-hmm. Participate Learning to be able to remain connected to our partner teachers and administrators and district level staff who are just doing incredible things in their schools and districts. And so I love what I do. I am currently the manager of teacher engagement with our teacher experience team at Participate Learning. And I, I could talk all day about what I do and why I love it, but that's essentially who I am as in a nutshell. And, um, and I'm just excited to be here to chat with you about all the things today. Yes, absolutely. And you can guarantee that we will definitely get into what your role <laughs> is and how others can also get involved if they want to, because it's such a, it's such a cool kind of thing, something that's mm, maybe not 100% unusual, but it is unusual in, in the kinds of uh, ways you go about things. So Michelle, the first question I always ask my guests is, if I say the word belonging or feeling a sense of belonging, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Yeah, so I think, and, and you know, I've listened to some of your guests on your podcast before. You've had the privilege of talking to so many different people. And I think we have so much in common when we think about what belonging means. And, and every time I listen to an episode, I'm like, yep, exactly that. I mean, the first things I think about are community and connections and commonalities. And though they're all C words, which is funny, but that those are really the things that I think about. I mean, when I think about belonging, I'm thinking about being around people who can relate to me, know what I'm talking about, um, can support me and inspire me and, and motivate me and make me feel like I am part of an important group of people. And that can fill many needs and oftentimes many different needs at different points in your life. Sure. Absolutely. I think it's interesting that along with communities and connections, you mentioned the idea of commonalities. Um, That is different, I think, in the way you mean it than similarities, right? Oh, 100%. Yes, because and and that relates a lot to to how I think as a global educator as well. You know, I'm talking about Mm -hmm. things you have in common, like whether it's a community of teachers that you can connect and inspire and motivate each other because you all are, are doing the same job and many times have the same passion for the job that you're doing. Or maybe, you know, I'm involved in a community, I'm a member of the Junior League of Durham and Orange Counties. And so I am a part of a community of women there where I feel like I belong and I have an impact and I can contribute because we are women who are interested in promoting each other as women and as leaders and as important citizens in our community, but also really dedicated to and interested in having an impact in our community. How can we help? How can we get our hands dirty and make a difference? 
difference for those around us. And so commonalities instead of similarities. And, and you know, as I said, it relates to what I, I do with global education. When I first moved to the U.S., in my orientation week, one of the most important things, and I still carry this piece of advice with me and share it with teachers all the time, was that our CEO of the company, David Young, shared with all of these new teachers arriving from all around the world to teach in the United States, he gave us this piece of advice that said, you know, go into this with an open mind. You're all coming with your own experiences. Mm -hmm. You're going to face things where you're going to have this moment where you want to compare to the way things are done in your own country. Yes. But instead of com comparisons, just mm -hmm. think it's not better. It's not worse. It's just different. And so when I think about like being in a community of people and connecting to others, yes, we may have many commonalities and similarities, but our differences right. also make us unique within those groups and within those communities. And I think that adds a lot of really powerful content to your community, you know? Absolutely. You know, when we're talking about diversity, um, we really need to look at that, that diversity isn't the fact that we're just diverse. It's the fact that we bring, each bring something to the conversation, but those commonalities help us belong initially. And then we're able to understand the diversities and then appreciate those diversities. Um, yes. I love that. There are so many quotable quotes in all that you're <laughs> saying. That's so terrific. And I want to tell you, you know, uh, from living in Kuwait and having many teachers come from overseas, all different places uh, to Kuwait, often they don't get that message that David Young gave you. And that's really a shame because the anticipation is that life will be similar fairly the same as what I experienced at home. And when it isn't, they are very unhappy. Oh, and yeah. if you come in and are given the sort of picture, the bigger picture of, let's not look at it that way. Let's look at it the way that David mentioned to you and that you've continued to believe in. I think it would have made a big difference because many of them left after a year or two because what they were experiencing was something that was too foreign or different from them, rather yeah. than appreciating the difference and looking at it as something that could be appreciated. On the other hand, there were many that came in and did love the fact that they were traveling and seeing new things. So, you know, that, that really touched home with me. Michelle, I'd love to get into my questions about, you know, your experiences of teaching internationally because although I've interviewed a lot of people, there aren't a lot of teachers who have moved, moved around the world uh, as you have. And so I'd love for you to sort of talk about and describe your first foray into international teaching. So you mentioned you came from Nova Scotia and your first teaching job was in North Carolina. Was life much different from what you were used to? Uh, did you have to make any adjustments? Um, what what was that like? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and I, I kind of came into it and a lot of people that watched me take that step were, were of the same mindset and thinking, oh, you're just going to the U.S., like travel to the U.S., the U.S. Yeah. and Canada are connected. We're very familiar in so many different ways, language, right. 
food, all the things. And so a lot of people would assume that it wouldn't be a big adjustment, but at the same time, anytime that you are packing up your suitcase and your life and moving to another country to embrace a new job in a new, you know, in my case, it was an education. So a new school system is a, a huge step. And so it was an adjustment. I mean, there were a lot of barriers that I didn't need to overcome that many of our teachers that come from around the world do deal with, you know, English not being their, their first language or culturally things just being very different. And so for me, I didn't have those, but I was getting used to life in a new city and, and getting acclimated to different best practices in education. Fortunately, for me at that time, I was coming fresh out of university. So it was going to be my first official teaching job. In Canada, we have a lot of practice teaching experience during our right. education degree. So I had had a lot of classroom time. So I wasn't brand new to that, but it was still my first official job. So I was adjusting to a lot of it. But what we tell our teachers when they come, many of them come with many years of experience. And we say, you have to come with an open mind. You know, again, that it's not better. It's not worse. It's just different. Mm -hmm. But also you need to come and realize that in many ways, in many moments during this experience, you are going to feel like a first year teacher all over again, because really you are, you're a first right. year teacher in the United States, you're a first year teacher in your district. And so, you know, that was true for me, but coming out of fresh out of university, it was a little bit easier to adapt. But I yeah. think my biggest adjustment with the international teaching internationally was when I went to Paraguay, mm -hmm. you know, I arrived in Paraguay knowing maybe 10 words in Spanish. Oh gosh, and I was going to ask you about yeah, that. Yeah, being bilingual was not required because of course mm -hmm. I was going to teach at an international school where, you know, okay. they were all students learned English and they students, families in Paraguay who wanted their children to be bilingual and also families whose parent or parents or guardians were working abroad at a, a company that had them, them based there and they were in that education system. So then when they returned to the United States or England or Canada, that they would still, you know, be, be where they needed to be academically. Mm -hmm. So Spanish was not required. And that was huge for me because in some cases, like the person who picked me up from the airport and many of the people that I was meeting out and about in my daily life did not speak Spanish. And so it was a really big learning experience for me and something that you know, brought tears many times. I remember we had my roommate and I had a Spanish tutor that would come to our condo twice a week and, and work with us. And many a lesson did I put my head down on the table and just uh. cry. But, you know, I learned so much from that. And even to this day, those experiences live with me and benefit mm -hmm. me in the work that I do, because I think it enabled me to relate in a different way to all of our international teachers through now Participate Learning, but previously VIF, who I had met over the years and taught with. And really, I knew that English wasn't their first language. I knew it was a big adjustment, mm -hmm. but it wasn't until I experienced that adjustment myself Right. that I had a real appreciation for every, everything that they encountered on a daily basis. And so that was my biggest adjustment. But at the same time, it was, it was beautiful. I mean, even in, in the days where I had tears and I was like, what did I do? I want to go home. <laughs> there were wonderful yeah. moments. And a lot of those wonderful moments were because of community and because of that sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. 
you know? I mean, that became really important to me the minute I packed up and left home. And for me, in, in those communities, the commonality was teaching. The commonality was leaving your own country and going to teach in a new system, which, you know, you know you have an instant support network. You have people who understand exactly what you're going through in good times and in bad. Mm -hmm. And they can laugh at you over the silly cultural like experiences that you have and don't understand <laughs> and the yes. mistakes that you make. And uh, they, they get all of those things. So I think yeah, Paraguay was definitely the biggest adjustment. Yeah. Would you say that in your, in your international teaching, because traveling abroad to do any kind of work is difficult, but especially with teaching, uh, I think it's not necessarily more difficult, but it has its own kind of uh, systems and situations. And sure. I know that many international teachers find it difficult and feel lonely, but it sounds like your experience was different, although you had the challenge of the language, especially in Paraguay. So yeah. can you just talk about that a little bit? How did you overcome that loneliness? What kinds of things did you do in order to feel that community? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think in many cases that that sense of community is not necessarily as powerful for people when they go and have these experiences. Mm -hmm. And it can really create a lot of loneliness and people who will pack up their suitcase and go right back home, whether it's in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Right. And so I do feel very fortunate that, that my experience was different. Not that there were not lonely moments, but I think, you know, in many international schools, you're all, you almost live in a bubble. And sometimes that that there are pluses I to that. I was going to ask you about that but also, yes. That can also be really not so positive because if you only live in that bubble and you don't go beyond that bubble, mm -hmm. your experiences are very limited. How do you really get to know the right. culture and that country if you're never going outside the bubble that you live so in? True. And so I think, you know, for a, a, a positive aspect of that bubble in Paraguay was that we really were a tight knit community, the international mm -hmm. teachers really came together, and the Paraguayan teachers and staff at the school who, who we got to know and become mm -hmm. friends with, they really did embrace us and help to make sure that we felt like a community. And yeah, so nice. there was always somebody to go to and something mm -hmm. to do to help, you know, fend off that loneliness if that was creeping in. But I also, you know, I appreciated some friends, a, a good friend of mine, Allison, who happened to meet a lady on a flight from Argentina one day, and the lady lived on the outskirts of Paraguay, and she and her husband were very involved in this local community that was well outside of the city that, you know, no running water, no electricity. And they owned a little convenience store and would go on Sundays and gather the children all together and feed them Sunday lunch. But when they started doing that, they decided that the children had to bring some homework with them each morning. So they would help them with some homework and then they would play some games and then they would give them lunch. And so oh, when nice. my friend Allison met this lady, she said, you know, I work at the American School of Asuncion and I bet I have some friends that would probably come volunteer with me. So I, I'll, 
I think that that role that Allison played in that moment was really key for me too, because that enabled me to have a different experience outside of the bubble where I felt for like sure. I really got to see Paraguay beyond just the capital city. I got to know the people and the culture in a different way. And um, that, that was a really incredible experience for us to go out as teachers and do that. So I think the bubble can be good. It can help with loneliness, but you then have to have the willingness and motivation mm-hmm. or somebody who kind of pulls you long to get outside of that bubble and explore beyond it. So I feel lucky that I was able to do that. I think, you know, being aware of, of how damaging and, and impactful loneliness can be for people who, who want to have an experience like international teaching. I think having that awareness also helps me, helps me in my role today, you know, because we have teachers coming every year from all around the world and yes, they're, they're excited and they want this adventure, but wanting this adventure and experience is very different than actually arriving here and living in it and And doing it. Yes. Far away your family is and Mm -hmm. how different, as you said, the educational systems can be, you know, everything from classroom management to assessment to best practices, you know, mm-hmm. and, and things that you do or don't do in a classroom with your students and with your colleagues um, and right. with families, family connections and expectations. Mm-hmm. They can mm-hmm. vary so greatly from, from country to country and even from state to state here in the United States. And so, you know, teachers can have all of these adjustments. And I think mm-hmm. that's one of the things my my parts of my role that I love so much is how can we make sure that when these teachers arrive to have this international experience, that they do feel part of a community that yes. they know they can rely on, that understands mm-hmm. what they're going through, that we're cheering them on in the good times and lifting them up in the bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we tell our teachers, and it's not just lip service, we live by this, when they sign on with us, they join the participate learning family and Mm -hmm. you're a participate learning family for life. Like even when you become part of our alumni network. And so community plays a huge role in that, in, in helping teachers feel like they can adjust and, and be successful in this new and sometimes challenging environment. So I want to go into all about what you do in terms of your role with teacher engagement, because I'm really excited about that, but I want to bridge it by saying since you were just talking about um, what you do in terms of orienting the teachers to make sure that they have that. Do you ever have teachers, I I imagine the answer is yes, but do you have teachers who are either shy or don't know when to reach out that they're having difficulties? Because many times it's that you feel that way, but you're not sure if it's something that you should share or need to share. Absolutely. And I think in addition to feeling shy or to not knowing, should I share this or should I not? I think in, you know, our teachers, when they come to teach with us in this program are experienced educators. I mean, they are dedicated and like revered in their home countries. I mean, we have Mm. thousands of teachers that apply to our program every year and we bring three to 400. So it's really whittled down to like the cream of the crop. We tell them you are among the best educators in the world. So these Mm. are teachers who are masters. They are used to being masters of of education in their home countries. They're Mm. used to people respecting them and coming to them for advice and having teachers model their practices after them. And so to come to a country where all of a sudden you many times 
students do feel like a first year teacher all over again. Yeah. I think many times there's a, a feeling and, you know, I've heard from teachers that this is true, mm -hmm. but many times there's a feeling where they don't want to reach out because they don't want to admit that I'm struggling with this. Why am I struggling with this? I'm an expert teacher. Like I'm so experienced. Why? And they're beating themselves up instead of remembering that important lesson that uh, of course I'm struggling. This is all brand new to me. Right. right. Um, you know, so yes, that happens all the time. And so, you know, part of what we try to do is make sure that we provide opportunities for connections and, and support and check-ins that we don't have to wait for you to come to us, but there are lots of opportunities where you can come and connect or reach out to us or be part of an event or nice. an activity where you are connected to the network. And sometimes mm -hmm. those questions will then pop up at that, or they'll realize because they're comfortable and engaged that they might send you a private message on Zoom to say, hey, I have this issue and I'd like to talk to you. Or mm -hmm. they just, they were feeling lonely or feeling like they didn't know how to tackle a certain topic but yet coming to this session or this event or activity, they got to connect with other educators who either were going through the same thing at the time and were able to share what they were doing to address yeah. that, that issue or someone, they, they brought it up in a breakout room or, you know, at one of our live mm -hmm. sessions, pre COVID and were able to learn from other educators who had been where they, they were. So yes, I think, you know, we always, they always know they can reach out, but we, we are aware that they won't always do it. So we're constantly looking for ways to, to get them together and, and hope that those things will, will come out. Well, I think it's so important, as you said before, several times about the fact that you've experienced that in different ways. And so as, as someone who's trying to make sure that those who are coming into your program um, have the best situation that they can, in order to be the best that they can be in their classrooms, um, you've seen it and you've lived it for quite a number of years. So, so that really helps. So I'd love for you to share about Participate Learning, uh, about your role uh, in teacher engagement and just what, that, what, what you're looking for and how people can get involved. So take some time just to really sort of how did you get started and what does that all of that look like because it's really an exciting program it really is it really is and and you know when you say that that i have the experience to be able to relate to the teachers that's so true for a lot of our staff many of our staff have come out of the education field and are from different countries around the world have taught in different countries around the world and if they were not in education they have lived and or studied abroad or done extensive traveling or bilingual multilingual mm -hmm. so we we have lots of people on our staff who are able to relate in the same way that I am to these experiences teachers are having. And I, I think that makes it really powerful. And yeah, and that's it, awesome. When they hear about that, it's reassuring to know, oh, these people that I'm reaching out to, like they actually get it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of the company and, and what we do, it, it's actually a really incredible story and, and one that I'm really proud of, even though I wasn't around since the beginning. But uh, it started in 1987 and it started as a family business. Fred, Dr. Fred Young was the president of Elon College and obviously had the ability to see a lot of the power of international exchange and thought, well, you know, this happens at a university level with professors all the time. 
universities right. have visiting professors. And his thought was, why are we waiting until kids get to university to give them exposure to an educator from somewhere else in the world? And that's where this, this started. And I love that whole vision. He started with a very small group of teachers and it's grown today at right now in the US, we have a little over 1200 teachers in our program. Wow. And it, it, it's incredible where it, where it came from. But so these teachers, as I did, packed up and came and committed to teaching a district curriculum, but integrating our culture and our and, and the world, current events, wherever we could in the curriculum. And I think, you know, a lot of people, when you think about global education, it, mm -hmm. people have different definitions of what that looks like. And I think sure. for us, it's this whole idea of it's not something extra. It, it's part of the fabric of your school and of your program and of your approach to teaching. So if you're just trying to shorten a literacy lesson or a math lesson so you can squeeze in a global activity, you know, once in a while, like a fun Friday activity, that's fine. But in terms of effective global education for us, that looks like seamless integration into curriculum. Right. How can you take a current event? How can you take a celebration or part of your culture or climate or currency and integrate it into math or science or social studies? How can you take the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and integrate the, those into your learning? And I mean, really, we all know that the most effective forms of learning are real world learning experiences. Right. When kids have hands-on experience and when they can relate it to something that is real that is connected mm -hmm. to the world. And so I'm, I'm proud of the fact that that's what our program focuses around. And then through years of doing cultural exchange, what happened was we had many partners and many US teachers working alongside of us international teachers saying, oh, I love that lesson you did. I love that approach. I love how you integrated this into a math lesson. Like your students were talking about it on the playground. It was so engaging. <laughs> Terrific. So, then the company started to think about, well, why would it just have to be international teachers? If there are American teachers who are interested in this type of teaching approach, why couldn't we make that more accessible to other people? And at the same time, we were thinking about language learning. How can we take what these wonderful teachers from all of these Spanish speaking countries are bringing to our program and make that really about language because, you know, immersion is so powerful. So then we started developing dual language immersion programs in both Mandarin and Spanish and then a global, what is now our global leaders program, so global schools program. And we partner with schools and districts across the US, mostly in North Carolina, Virginia, and South Carolina to implement these programs. And many of our teachers that come in through from all these different countries, many are placed in our Spanish immersion programs. So they're teaching okay. in dual language, either 50-50 programs or 90-10 programs. And then about half of our teachers are partner teachers who are either in a global leaders program school, or they are just global educators in other partner schools. Yeah. And so that's what we do. Wow. So I wanted to ask, uh, before I ask about how, how teachers who are listening could possibly get involved. If you could talk a little bit about United We Teach. Sure, yeah. Well, first of all, any teachers that are international that mm -hmm. are 
are not American and live in another country, if they're interested in an international teaching experience in the U.S., our website, which I know that you will will share in the show notes, right. uh, we do have a section there all about teaching in the USA. So of course they can explore that. They, the, the website is fantastic. It really outlines the requirements. So right away, even before filling out any type of initial application, a teacher can get a really good sense of whether they meet the requirements to be able to come and teach with our program. And then with with other people, I mean, in the US, we have lots of US partners who have decided that, you know, they would like a program at their school or in their district. But then, you know, the average teacher is not someone who is partnering and making decisions about new Mm -hmm. programs to come to your school and district, but we still have lots of opportunities for them to get involved. So United We Teach, is is our main conduit for that. And so it's interesting because United We Teach is a community of practice that we created, honestly, in about four days. The (laughs) The idea was born and we hit the ground running. And when that happened, as you can probably guess, was when the pandemic hit. And when all of a sudden teachers in a matter of days were asked to take and pivot and do what they were doing live and in person in the classroom on screen behind Zoom or Google Classroom or whatever that might be. And that was a really challenging time. You know, our teachers were panicked. They were reaching out with questions. It was very stressful. We were very concerned about our partner teachers, both our American partner teachers and our international partner teachers. That was a big change. And so very quickly, we started having conversations about what can we do? How can we provide additional support? And whether that's like technology support, because, you know, everyone's level of comfort with technology, it from here to here, right? Yes. Huge gaps. Yeah. Some of the teachers who were not really considering themselves to be tech savvy, all of a sudden had to become tech savvy almost overnight in order to be able to successfully engage and teach and learn with their students. And so we were thinking, how could we do that? And then we thought, you know what? It's not just our teachers here in the US, it's teachers from all over the world. It's teachers who are in the in, in our admissions process right now, hoping to come to the US that summer, you know, they're struggling with these same same issues in their home country because, right. you know, the, the pandemic was affecting every teacher in every classroom around the world. Yes. So we started this community. Uh, we built it so people could join for free. We put resources in there. We had some little mini courses. We had um, discussions where they could come in and just introduce themselves, tell us what struggles they were dealing with. People could share resources. I found this. I'm using this. It worked really well for my kids. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do this. My district is asking me to do this. Is anyone else doing it? Can you help me? And what we also started to do were weekly live events. Now, when we started the weekly live events, we were doing them twice a week. We were doing them on a Tuesday and on a Thursday. And we would come together for an hour. And sometimes it would be participate learning staff who might share around a particular topic. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it became teachers, very much teacher-led. A teacher would say, I'm a pro at Google Classroom, or I've been using Nearpod, or this is how I'm using Flipgrid creatively. This is what I'm doing to maintain positive family and parent communications. 
during the time of the pandemic. This is what I'm doing around student engagement. You know, all those things that were issues with remote right. teaching and learning. And so it became very powerful. I mean, honestly, I'm biased, but I get goosebumps when I talk about this community because it, you know, yes, I helped, I helped to create it and I helped to lead it, but it would never be successful without the teachers showing up and so doing true. all that they're doing. So yeah, we facilitate it, but but the success is all about the members. I mean, they've made that community what it is. And it, it's just incredible. The friendships, the professional connections that have been made there. People are connecting their classrooms, Mexico to Jamaica and to the United States and learning wow. together, celebrating holidays. So it's very global in nature in so many different ways. Yeah. But it, it was super, super powerful and really needed at that time. And then, you know, as we started, things started to improve with the pandemic, we had many of the members say, please don't, please don't shut down this community. Oh, we started it during okay. the pandemic, please don't shut it down. So mm -hmm. we've just decided we took a little break over the summer from the live events and kind of like took some survey results from members who were super engaged. Mm -hmm. And so we now are having still live sessions on the first Thursday of every month, there will be a live session. We just did one, our first one for this, this new school year was on September 2nd. And it was around effective global learning and language learning strategies and best practices. And it was led by two Argentinian teachers, one who teaches in our middle school language program called Conexiones, and then an elementary dual language immersion teacher. And they actually were both winners of um, Participate Learning Ambassador of the Year Awards last year. And they just do an exceptional job of integrating culture and current events and global mm -hmm. issues into their curriculum in a seamless way, all through language. So it's that looking at everything through a global lens, but learning con learning language through learning mm -hmm. content, which is, is powerful no matter what grade you're in. So we're excited about that and the discussions and classroom connections that are happening there are still amazing. And we look forward to just continuing to foster those relationships and to support teachers in ways that they need and around topics that they're interested in hearing more about. And I love the fact that in the emails that you send out, and I imagine on social media also, celebrating individual teachers, talking a little bit about themselves and also how people can connect with them. And so that community of practice that really celebrates every participant and comes together. And yeah, I talk about professional belonging and it, yes. communities of practice that are done in this way are so important to teachers because like you said at the beginning, teachers don't often have that opportunity to collaborate, to come together. Their schedules are difficult, uh, a lot of obligations in terms of administrative work and things like that. So having this set up for them is just so wonderful. It's no wonder they take the lead. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the thing, the thing is, is, you know, when we talk about belonging and about community, like, you know, I, I love a sense of community. And I love that feeling of belonging and being part of a mission or being part of a shared purpose. But an, another big part of it for me is I also love and, and thrive on the ability to facilitate 
community and to make sure that people feel like they belong and they, they can get value out of those connections. And so for me, it's it's two prong and I, I am very happy to benefit in both ways from community and belonging because I want it and I crave it, but, and I thrive on those connections, mm-hmm. but I also really want and really love seeing the fruits of, of my labor when I like put effort into trying to facilitate that for other people and any opportunity I have to bring other people together. And I think, you know, you, you said it, and we, we've talked about it earlier that, you know, teachers don't always have that opportunity. And so sometimes making those connections with other educators takes a backseat because mm-hmm. you said the word obligation, they have so many other obligations and things, expectations that they have to meet that many times those other connections fall to the wayside. But when they actually take the time to make time for them, they're really making time for themselves personally. They are. I love that you said that. Yes. Thank you. They're making time for themselves as professionals and they always walk away. You know, we have so many teachers that say, oh, I didn't think I'd be able to make that today or it was a really busy day. I didn't know if I, I wanted to spend an hour doing that, but I'm so glad I did because I got this idea and I was inspired and mm-hmm. I feel happy. And that that to me is so satisfying to be able right. to provide these opportunities for teachers. And they feel re-engaged also. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love the way you talked about, there was another one of my guests, I can't remember who it is, um, a number of months ago, who talked about there are two sides to belonging. The side that you have where you're feeling that sense of belonging, but also yeah. that side that you need to make sure that others feel that sense of belonging, which is so gratifying, so rewarding. So I'm so glad that you mentioned mentioned it again, because it is something really important that we do need to remember. Yeah. 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 So how this has been terrific. I hate for it to be coming to an end. (laughs) What is there anything else you wanted to mention or talk about or any other advice that you wanted to give our listeners before we finish up? Yeah, I mean, I I guess, you know, as we've talked so much about supporting teachers and in these different experiences they had and have and how many demands there can be on them. And that that can be whether you've packed up and moved to a new country and are adjusting to a new system and new life. But that can also exist if you're a Canadian teacher staying in Canada, teaching in a Canadian school. And I think one of the, the biggest the biggest things that that I love doing in my job, and you mentioned noticing that we do it in United We Teach, is that celebrating teachers, right? Recognizing them and and yes. encouraging people to follow them if they're on social media, amplifying their voice, giving them you know praise for the wonderful things that they're doing and the efforts they're making, but also giving them opportunities to really share their expertise if they wish to do so, and kind of encouraging them to do that. You know, teachers, are, some teachers will, but not all teachers will step up and say, hey, I'm an expert in this and I would like to share about it. In fact, many times they're like, oh, I'm not an expert. And you're like, yes, you are. Look Imposter at all the- Imposter syndrome runs like, rampant yes, in teachers. It's yes. such a shame. And sometimes they just need a little boost to be able to say, you know what? Other people would love hearing about this idea that you had. And so yes. the ability to build that confidence and really build them up is super important to me. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. one of the, the things that we've worked on doing with our ambassador experience, and I think, you know, you can do this in an international program, but you can also do it in a school anywhere in the world, is we really try to make sure that we provide lots of opportunities for our partner teachers so that 
that they can have a well-rounded experience when they're here, that they, they're coming and they're committing to being a teacher here in this program for up to five years. We also want them to be able to walk away and say, I was able to meet these goals. I was able to have these experiences because I was a participate learning ambassador. And so we have been doing a lot of work around redesigning our ambassador teacher experience this year. And we are focusing on providing teachers with a wide range of opportunities around cultural experiences, both US and global, because part of their experience as a J1 is share your culture, but also embrace US culture and the other cultures around you. We're providing opportunities for leadership, learning, and making connections. And so not only are we providing those types of opportunities for them, but we're also looking to say, when you have those opportunities in your school and your district and your community or through other organizations that you're involved in, we want you to tell us about them and we wanna recognize you and celebrate you for those. So we're using a lot of digital badging to do those types of things where a teacher may get assigned a role as a grade level chair or the school improvement team chair Mm -hmm. at at their school. They may be a soccer coach for a local soccer team. They can share those experiences with us and document those so they can have a digital badge for it. And at the end of their five years, they walk away with this full virtual resume of all of their teaching, learning and cultural experiences they've had. So that's been a lot of really fun and important work that we've been doing lately. So I would be remiss if I didn't at least say that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And it's, it's wonderful. I love, I love uh, the digital badges and the fact that they're uh, a reward. But on top of that, there's something that you're able to carry with you no matter where you live and where you go. And, yeah. and so, and really a celebration and a reminder <laughs> of all the things that we've accomplished with sometimes because we get so busy we tend to forget. So right. that is fantastic. I'm, I'm so yeah. glad that, that you're doing that. Not I'm surprised. glad you like badging. I'm glad you like badging because I feel like badging falls by the wayside a lot. People, it does. It should be used much more. Yeah. 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 It can we'll, we'll so get there. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. I know. No, I, I often I often say that I wish I was 20 years younger so that I could use all the stuff that I'm learning about in the classroom because you know I'm retired. So that's okay. I get to talk about it and encourage other people that's who are right. still in the classroom to do it. That's how I feel about Twitter. You know, I use Twitter so much now mm-hmm. and I use it to promote, you know, our teachers, like to share all the great things that they're doing and to make sure that other teachers see those ideas yes. and can be inspired by them. And so I can't tell you how many times I've had similar thoughts related to Twitter, like, oh, I wish Twitter had been popular when I was in the classroom. <laughs> yes. Think back to activities that we did and events that we had. I'd be like, oh, that would have been so fun to tweet about, or that picture would have been great to share. But I focus my energy then on helping teachers share their stories in that way. Yeah. Right, right. Yes. We live vicariously through the others. That's okay. You are so (laughs) right. You're so right. So Michelle, this was fantastic. How can people find you and where are the most important places? Again, all will be in the show notes, but where where should they look? 
Yeah, so for me personally, I'm a big tweeter and I do a lot around teaching and learning and culture and global education and language learning. And I'm at Michelle with one L, Macumber. So I will share that with you and you can put that link in, in your show notes. And then the United We Teach community, it is a free community to join. There is a link that people can click on and it will just say join up. And it's just a matter of like many other sites, putting in a username, which is your email and and a path, creating a password. And then you're easily able to explore resources and discussions and learn about our live events. And then for any teachers who might be international that are interested and wondering, would participate learning be a fit for me? And would I meet the requirements? I'll share the link to the website that talks all about our teacher program. Perfect, perfect. Again, thank you so much, Michelle. As I learned from all of my guests, I learned so much from you. And like, said at the beginning, there are many quotable quotes. So, um, and I'll be stealing that idea of commonalities because I think it's important for us to, to think about the difference between commonalities and, and similarities. Yes. Thanks again for joining me. And I look forward to having our listeners find out more about Participate Learning and all the work that you're doing. Well, thank you so much for having me, Eileen. This is a real treat to get to talk to you. And um, I look forward to continuing to listen in with your other guests and your other episodes. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired by what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website, Journeys. To belonging, that's journeys number two belonging dot webstarts dot com. See you next week.